0: Let me just say welcome to everybody here. Welcome home to each and every one of you. We love you guys. And man, we say welcome home because we do want this place not to feel like a crowd, but like a family, a place where you are valued and loved and, and cared for no matter what your life looks like in, in, in this current predicament. But it's okay to not be okay here at Northridge Church, but it's not okay to stay there because Jesus gives us a way to get out of there. And so welcome home. Shout out to our campuses at, at Webster and Rochester and online. It's great to be here with you. And man, about last week, guys. Whew, come on. Anybody still feeling what, what, I, what I've been feeling all week long? Yeah. Yeah. Man, we saw 90 people in one weekend go public with their faith, and we got to tangibly see the Holy Spirit move in people's lives. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to be a church that celebrates God and what he does. And so come on, church, let's celebrate the Lord today. Come on. Woo! Yeah. And here's, here's what's even crazier. Y'all thought he was done on Sunday, but because of what happened on Sunday, someone got baptized this week on Thursday. So God isn't finished yet, and he's still moving. And so I'm just, I'm, honestly, I'm just a glad to be a part of it. We try to get out of God's way at this church, let him do his thing, and we follow behind him. And man, last week was amazing. Now I would bet that many of you, probably at some point in your life, you've planned a trip. And usually when we plan a trip, we're looking forward to that place because we know the destination we're going to. Knowing and picturing the destination often gets us excited about the trip. And this last May, Ashley and I and our our family, we planned maybe the biggest trip we've ever planned. We were driving up the the East Coast for for about a month, and we were figuring out where we wanted to stop, the destinations that we wanted to go to. But the climax of the trip ended in in Alabama with our Southern parents. And we couldn't wait to get a chance to hang out with them, but honestly, some of that we were excited because we knew where, where, where they live. Our southern parents have a a place on Lake Martin, Alabama. And, you know, when we were thinking about this trip, the closer we got to it, I I could almost picture myself sitting on that dock on the water in an Adirondack chair. I can feel the breeze just blowing in my hair, maybe a fishing pole in my hand. And, you know, you can almost go there. right? You long for that place. You anticipate it, right? Because you you can't wait. Let let me give you a more, more example you might relate to. Let's say we're going on a trip. Right, our whole church, we're like, hey, we're going to go on a trip, and, you know, we're going to go in February, right, because in, in Rochester, February is a good time. Let's just pretend, you know, we, we get that north, northeastern storm that we usually get every February, where you got about two and a half feet of snow in your driveway. You can barely get to your house, right? And the good news is you're not even that mad about it, because we're going on a trip, and here's where we're going. All right. I mean, hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> right, you can... You can feel your feet in the sand. Hey, guys, just so you know, in February, that's what the sun looks like in case you forget, okay? <laughs> right? And you just, seeing that picture just, it makes you long. You're like, yeah, I can't wait to go there. Or you know what? Hey, I get it. Some people aren't beach people. You know, sand gets everywhere and every cr- crack. And, you know, if you got kids, it's like, is eh, sand coming out of places you, yeah, anyway, we won't go there. But, you know, you're not a beach person. So let's say we're going on a trip. We're going to go to the wilderness. Check this out. Uh-huh. I hear a little more grunts than the, the beach, yeah. right? How about a cup of coffee on that front deck? You know, just peace and quiet, still. I mean, I don't know anybody who wouldn't want to go there. Just chill, but hey, I get it, right? Maybe you're not a beach person. You're not a wilderness person. Like, yeah, grizzly bears live there. I guarantee it. And so <laughs> you got to be careful. And so maybe you're, you're not a wilderness person. You're not a beach person, but you're more of a world traveler, and you get to go here, Rome. You know, it's like 1045. I can taste the pizza and the pasta at this place. You know, and the sights and the sounds of exploring a city like that. And the whole point I'm trying to make is when you can see and picture where you're going, it often causes you to long and desire to be there. And here's what's crazy to me. As many Christians today, we know where we're going. We just don't know what it's going to be like. And because we don't know what it's going to be like, we often don't long for the home God's creating for us. And that's why for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about heaven, the home that God is creating for us. And here's the platform I want to build off today. If we knew how great our destination is, we would live differently here and now. If we knew how good heaven is going to be, how marvelous, how wonderful, how majestic heaven is, our eternal home, the place that God is preparing for us, if we knew how good it was going to be, it would not only impact our future, but it would impact our present. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to dive into what the Bible says about heaven, what it's going to be like. We're going to answer a lot of your questions. And I'm just going to walk you through the series, the four weeks of the series. Week one today, we're going to just give you a little bit of an intro to eternity and give you a taste of what heaven's going to be like. And my hope is that taste brings you back the next couple weeks, because in week two, we're going to talk about the theology of heaven. We're going to break some misconceptions that many people have, and we're going to answer a lot of your questions. Speaking of questions, let's pause here. Because I would bet many of you have questions about heaven, and I want to know them. I want to answer them. And So grab your phones right now. Go ahead and grab your phones, and you can text your question to 585-210-8564. My goal is to answer every question that comes through that text message. We're going to do it in two ways. Week three is kind of like a QA and a sermon. We're going to tackle all of the questions that we have about Heaven, And in our podcast, if you haven't heard of our podcast, it's released on Tuesdays where we dive a little bit deeper into the message. We're going to answer questions there as well. And so if you have a question about heaven, don't hesitate to ask it. It's going to go to a person and it's going to come to me and we're going to use these questions. And so if you got them, answer them. And then week four, we're going to talk about the path to heaven. How in the world do I get to this place. And so we're going to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I think King Solomon kind of builds a foundation of where we should start. And King Solomon is, is the wisest guy other than Jesus to walk the face of the earth. When, when, when he, God asks him what he wants, he asks for wisdom and God grants it. And so he sets kind of a nice backdrop for us. He says, he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. And yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning." To end, And so as we approach this, 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 this topic of heaven, I think Solomon gives us kind of a good foundation to start from. He says two things in this passage that I think it's important to know. The, the first one is humanity. We think about eternity. And so when we think about life after death, it's kind of ingrained in all of us to think that way, especially in you know, the season that we've been in with a global pandemic that has killed a lot of people. And, and we, we, it often causes us to think, man, what happens after I die? What is my life going to look like? We wonder, we imagine, like, hey, w- w- there has to be something bigger, right? And what is that? What-, what happens when I die? And I think the older we get, the closer we feel like we're, we are to death, the more we think about it. And can I tell you, that's not by accident. God actually designed us that way. Solomon says that God has placed, he's set eternity in your heart. And so the reason why you think about those questions is because part of the process of God drawing himself to you. The second is, is, I think, important to know, you won't understand everything, right? There are some things about heaven that are meant to be a mystery. The Bible doesn't, interestingly enough, it doesn't talk a lot about heaven, right? And, and so when we, we dive into this series, there will be times where maybe you feel a little bit frustrated because a lot of heaven is gray, it's not black and white, there are things that are black and white in, in, in the journey, but we also know God kept some things to be a surprise for when we get there. And just that, that statement makes us ask questions. Right? I would bet you have questions like, hey, some of you are pet lovers. And you wonder like, hey, is, is, is my dog or my cat going to be in heaven? And the Bible makes it really clear. All dogs go to heaven, cats don't. <laughs> I mean... I'm just telling you the truth, right? No. Listen, I got to apologize to some people. Drew and Meg, I know you guys love your cats. I'm just kidding, okay? I'm just kidding. Right? But we wonder that. We also wonder, right, am I going to be married in heaven? Right? Is my earthly marriage with my spouse, is it going to translate to heaven? And some of you are like, I certainly hope so. And some of you are like, I certainly hope not. (laughs) Will I know my family in heaven? Will I have the same friends in heaven? Or are we going to all be strangers kind of floating around this mysterious world? Hey, what is my body going to look like? Right? Am I going to have wings? Am I going to be like a ghost floating around the clouds? But I think here's a question we often think about, but we would never express. A question that many even Christians and non-Christians think about. Is heaven going to be boring? Is heaven going to be a place I actually want to go to? Is this going to be this ongoing church service where we, you know, we sing songs and do I have to listen to Drew preach for all of eternity? Easy, okay, easy. But seriously, is heaven a place that I'm going to want to be at? Is it a place that I should long for and, and, and desire? And I think... Part of this, this, our enemy's strategy is to do two things. I believe Satan wants the world to believe one of two things. One, that heaven isn't real, or if it is real, it's going to be boring. It's going to be a place that you really don't want to be at. And so he tries to convince the world, like, hey, heaven and hell don't exist. They're made up fairy tales. And if people actually believe there is an afterlife, Satan works really hard to convince us that heaven isn't a place that we're going to want to be at. In fact, look what one author says. He says, heaven is totally overrated. It seems boring. Clouds listening to people play the harp. It should be somewhere you, somewhere you can't wait to go, like a luxury hotel. Maybe blue skies and soft music were enough to keep people in line in the 17th century, but heaven has to step it up a bit. They're basically getting by because it only, they only have to be better than hell. And honestly, I think some people believe that's what heaven's going to look like, right? Harps and clouds, squeezing babies. But here's what I believe, Many people in our culture today, the reason they don't want a relationship with Jesus Christ is not because of Jesus. It's not because they don't believe in the way. They just don't believe that heaven's going to be that good, so they don't really want to go there. And as a church, I think we've done a terrible job of, of giving people a picture of their eternal destination, of getting people excited about what heaven has in store for us. I mean, let me ask you this. If I were asked if I were to ask you to describe heaven, how would you describe it? Would it be some things that you know are true in the Bible or just things that you've heard? If one of your lost friends says, well, hey, are you excited for heaven and why are you excited for heaven? What would you say? Because I think a lot of people, this is what they know of heaven, right? Like, I know when I, I get to heaven, there's going to be like a time where I stand before God and he's going to judge me for all the things I've done. Oh, wow, can't wait for that. Yes! Or I've heard, you know, that there's like sheep and goat and the sheeps go this way and the goats go that way and you just kind of hope you're the right animal. Cool. But listen, guys, we're talking about eternity. We're talking about 180 billion years and then some of your life and we probably should have a good idea, a good hope of what is in store for us. Right, look what another author said. He says, when I was a boy... The thought of heaven used to frighten me more than the thought of hell. I pictured heaven as a place where time would be perpetual Sundays with perpetual services from which there would be no escape. And why do people believe that way? Because we haven't painted a good picture of what heaven's going to be like. Christians today have done a really good job of telling people how to get to heaven, but they failed to tell them what heaven's going to be like. And why is that so important? Why is it important that as me as a follower of Christ and you as a follower of Christ know where our eternal home is going to be like? Well, I want to tell you, show you two ways. The first way is I believe when we know what heaven's going to be like, heaven provides hope for the present and the future. When we understand the place God is preparing for us, it will change our life for all of eternity, but it will also change our life here and now. And the apostle Paul talks about one way that that knowing what heaven holds for us will change us now. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter four. He says this. He says, brothers and sisters, so he's speaking to believers, followers of Christ. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. So what are most of we? We're uninformed about death, right? What happens after death? Paul says, I don't want you to be that way, okay? He says, why? So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Why do we have hope? Because for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And so the apostle Paul says, hey, heaven should provide you excitement for the future, longing for the future, desire for the future, but heaven should also change your present. Because in some of the hardest moments in our life, maybe you've experienced this, Right? In a year where many people have died, I would suggest probably some of you have lost people you love. I have. And I get the pain and the hurt and the grieving process of losing people you love. But Paul says, actually, heaven, the hope of heaven, will not only change your future, but it will change how you grieve in those moments. It'll change because we don't grieve like the rest of humankind. We grieve because we have hope. Why? Because of what the future holds for us. And so if we don't know what heaven's going to be like, it won't change the way we grieve here on earth. And can I tell you this verse? When when I lost my dad was a verse that I came back to over and over again. And it's interesting that as Christians, we can mourn. We can be in pain, we can grieve, but we can still feel joy and peace, and the world won't understand that because they don't know what God has in store for them. And so heaven provides hope for the present and the future, but secondly, when we think about eternity, eternity, eternity motivates people. Eternity will change the way you live and act today, and I'm going to show you this in a negative way. Because on the news, every once in a while, we'll go to our news station and we'll hear of, of terrorists doing wild and crazy things, right? You, you turn on and you see some man or woman strapping a bomb to themselves, putting themselves in a car and, and driving in to kill themselves and multiple people. And anybody in their right mind, when they see that happen, has to ask the question, why would anybody do that? Why would anybody in their right mind do that to themselves, let alone everybody else? Well, guess what? The promise of their eternity had motivated them to live differently. The sad reality is they missed the truth. But eternity motivates people. Look what 2 Peter says. It says, but in keeping with his promises, one of the ways we keep with God's promises is we are looking forward, we're anticipating to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And so it's with that backdrop, those ideas and concepts that I want to begin the journey of understanding what God has in store for us in heaven. And I'll build from this foundation that heaven is going to be way better than anything you could imagine. Listen, I know you might think like, okay, here we go. Here's the oversell, right? This is some dramatic statement that I'm trying to like convince you that heaven is so amazing. Like I'm not overselling anything. This is just the truth of God's word. That heaven, the place, our eternal home as believers is going to be way better than anything you could possibly imagine. In fact, if you think of your life and you think of just some of your best experiences, the best food that you've ever eaten, the best circumstances you've ever been, and if you were to take in journal and list all the best that you've experienced in life and you compile them together, it pales in comparison to what God has in store for you. We can't even imagine, and and here's what's hard about heaven for us. The reason why we don't long for heaven that much is because we've gotten too comfortable here on earth. We've enjoyed the the, the things that this earth has to offer, and we wonder, how in the world could heaven be better than this? In fact, C.S. Lewis says this, he says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. C.S. Lewis, he just says, the reason why we struggle to imagine how great heaven's going to be is because we've fallen in love with the pleasures here. And in this series, for the next four weeks, I wanna convince you of how awesome heaven's going to be. I wanna motivate you to desire and to long for your eternal home. And the reason why I think it's gonna be amazing is because the way heaven is described in the Bible, heaven is going to be a paradise. And what's interesting is if you, you study the original language in the Bible, this word heaven and this word paradise are interchangeable, right? So when the Bible describes heaven, it, it uses this words and it's often interchangeable where the word heaven is the word paradise. And as we kind of begin to get a taste of, of, of heaven, I want to show you how heaven's going to be a paradise, right? We see it in Revelation chapter 2 where John speaks to the churches in Revelation. He says, whoever has ears... Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So that's heaven. And heaven is described as a paradise in multiple places in the Bible by multiple authors. I'm going to give you four ways today that heaven is a paradise. And the first one comes from John. And John describes heaven as a paradise of sights. That when we get to heaven, our eyes will be illuminated with the scenery and the landscape of heaven. In fact, in Revelation chapter 22, let's look at how John begins to describe some of the things of heaven. He says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of a great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. And so here John paints this picture of, of beauty. We, we have this crystal lake flowing through the streets of the city. Don't ask me how that's going to work out, but it sounds pretty awesome. There's the tree of life on both sides producing fruit each month and this fruit is used for the healing of the nation because there is no curse. And so what we have to understand about heaven is it's going to be this beauty, this landscape that will blow our minds and our eyes, right? Have you ever been there before where maybe you went on a climb or you went to the Grand Canyon or you, you found some, some spot in, 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 in all of creation where you got to that place and you looked and you, your breath was just taken away by how beautiful it was? How amazing it was. And all you wanted to do was just sit there and take it in and take it in and take it in. That's what heaven's going to be like. It's so beautiful that our eyes will be amazed at what God has created because it's going to be a paradise of sights. But then Paul describes heaven as a paradise with a different uh, way. He says it's going to be a paradise of, of sights and then a paradise of sounds that the things that we hear in heaven will amaze us. In fact, look at Paul's description in 2 Corinthians 12. It says, and I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. And so Paul is describing a vision he has of a man. Most scholars believe that he was that man and he's having this out-of-body vision from God. And guess where he is, verse four. He was caught up in paradise. He's caught up in heaven. And he says, I heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Now, that will pique your interest a little bit. That Paul actually says, I'm caught up in heaven, in paradise, and the things that I heard, I can't even explain. That the sounds of heaven were so good and so magnificent that I can't even put to words what I'm hearing in my ears. And what's interesting is God doesn't actually give him permission to share. Right? We said heaven was going to be a little bit of a, ministry, or a mystery. Paul doesn't get permission from God to share the things that he heard, but John gives us an idea of what we might hear in heaven in Revelation chapter 19. Look how he describes the, the sounds. He says, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude like a roar of rushing water, like a loud peals of thunder shouting, hallelujah for, the Lord our, uh, for, the, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And so here John describes some of the s- sounds we will hear. He says, I heard a, a, a mighty multitude, right? A great multitude that sounded like you know, thunder, like rushing water, praising God. And have you ever been to a a service, right? Maybe it was just this last week for many of us where you're surrounded by other believers and when you're singing the songs, you actually hear the echoes of other people's voices in your ear and it moves you to, to tears. It moves you. It's like, wow, the spirit of God is with us and you can't explain the sounds that you're hearing, but it moves you. And that's what John is describing here. He also describes the the sounds of a wedding feast and ceremony where a bride and a groom are getting ready to be married. There's a feast, and so it's a, a paradise of sights. It's a paradise of sounds. But maybe the thing that we long for the most is a paradise of peace. Right? I, I think in life, many of us were in pursuit of something, and we're looking for it and we're looking for it, and we go through many means to try to find it. but I think the thing that we're actually looking for is peace. I mean, can you imagine a, a world where stress doesn't exist? I mean, can you imagine a world where you don't worry or feel anxiety? Can you imagine a a, a world where all the, the, the depression and loneliness and the things that keep us up at night are gone? You are at peace. And in life, we, we, we are trying to achieve peace. Many of us, we go after peace by, like, getting away from, right, the, the chaoticness of life and taking a vacation, getting away. We live for the weekend because we hope that at some point the weekend can offer us peace or that vacation, that trip can offer us peace. And we might even achieve it on that vacation or on the weekend for just a little bit. But then guess what happens? On the vacation, the phone rings and there's an emergency at work or something happens to our kids and it interrupts that peace that we desire. And it's hard for us to imagine a world, a paradise of peace because it's so opposite of what we experience. I mean, we can't even drive in our car and have a moment of peace before our phone dings with a text message. But look how the Bible describes this paradise of peace. Revelation 21, it says, And God, he... Will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Man, I don't know about you, but that sounds awesome. And it's hard for us to imagine because we live in a sin cursed world where there is no peace. As hard as we try to obtain it, achieve it, it just gets interrupted. But the Bible says in heaven, in this paradise of peace, you won't have to worry about crying anymore. You won't have to worry about mourning or death or losing somebody you love. You won't have to worry about your anxieties. You won't have to worry about your fears because all of that will be wiped away because you want to know what you'll experience? Peace. The fourth thing the Bible describes heaven as a paradise is a paradise of stories. A paradise of stories. You know, I think maybe one of the most fun things about heaven will be going around meeting people. Right? We often think heaven's going to be this ongoing church service. I don't believe that. And we're going to get into that in, in the, the future weeks. We're going to talk about this more. What will heaven actually be like from day to day? But I think one, one of the most amazing things about heaven will be able to meet people that follow Jesus. from from all different generations, from all different time periods. I mean, how awesome is it going to be when we get to heaven and we get to meet some of the heroes of the faith that we read in our Bible regularly? People like Noah and Joshua and the disciples, people like Esther and Mary and Ruth, people who stood up for Jesus that we've heard about. And then there's going to be a lot of people in heaven that we've never heard about who sacrificed greatly for the cause of Jesus Christ, and we'll get to hear their story. But here's what will shock us about heaven, surprise us about heaven, is I think we will be blown away. We will be surprised by who will actually be in heaven. We'll be surprised by who's there, and we'll be surprised by who's not there, who we thought didn't deserve to make the cut and who we thought did deserve to make the cut. I believe in heaven, you might be like, hmm, how did he get in here? I know his story. I saw what he did. How in the world did he get here? And I bet you some people in heaven felt that way about the criminal next to Jesus on the cross. In Luke 23, look what it says. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And the irony was Jesus was. He was saving the world. It's not from what this guy thought. And the other criminal rebuked him. He says, don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then Jesus said, or then then he said, the criminal said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And look how Jesus answered. He says, Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today, You will be with me where? In paradise. This is like a couple hours before this guy dies. And yet he chooses in that moment to follow Jesus. And I would bet people who knew this guy would have been shocked to see him in the home God was creating. This guy wasted his life. He threw it away. I mean, he's on a cross dying as a criminal because that's who he was. And yet all he had to do was call on the name of Jesus to believe in his heart and confess with his mouth. And Jesus says, because of your belief and because of your confession, you get to go to paradise. And so as we approach this Series And as we talk about heaven throughout the weeks, I think the most important question that we have to answer is if heaven is going to be a paradise of stories, will your story be there? Think about that for a second. It would be foolish for the next four weeks to get all excited about how amazing heaven is going to be and how awesome the home God has for us and you not get to experience it. Is your story going to be one of the stories that is shared throughout all of heaven because you believed in Jesus? Because this criminal is no different than us. We like to think we're better than this guy, but his story is the same as ours. We were guilty, guilty of rebellion to God, guilty of sin, and yet because of Jesus' death and resurrection, the only reason we get to enter in the pearly gates of heaven is because of Jesus. Jesus. This guy hasn't done anything good and many of you today you think your story is going to get to heaven because of all the good you've done. Well, this story breaks that norm because this guy hadn't done any good. And yet somehow he still makes it into the paradise of God, and the answer is because of Jesus. He's the only way to paradise. And so will your story be there? You know when I when I think about heaven, I often think about my dad. Right? I lost my dad a year and a half ago, and it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever faced in my life. It hurt. It was full of grief, but I had hope because I, I, I can stand here confidently saying I know where my dad is. He is with our Savior Jesus in heaven, and. You know, through that journey of grief, it was interesting. We would sit down at the table, our dining room table to eat dinner, and our kids often pray, and they would pray for Pop, right? They called him Pop, and after he died, they would say, hey, dear God, be with Pop, protect him, keep him safe, watch over him. And after a while, I was like, hey, kids, hold on a second. I want you to know something. You don't have to pray for Pop anymore. He doesn't need protection. He doesn't need provision because he's in paradise, And I always wonder with my dad in heaven if somehow he could send a message to me, right? from heaven, if he could write a note card and put it in my mailbox and know that I would get it and I would read it, what would he say? Like, what would the words be on that, that piece of paper? And I thought about this and thought about this, and I, I came to this conclusion. It'd be pretty short, and it'd be pretty sweet. I think he would just say, Drew, I love you, and this place is way better than you could possibly imagine, I'll see you soon, Dad. Yeah. Let's pray together. (laughs) God, thank you that we have a hope of a future with you. Right, God, we can talk about heaven as a paradise, but what makes it a paradise is that you're going to be there. And God, above everything else, I pray that our longing would be with you, our Savior, our protector, And so God, I pray for that person right now who who isn't sure that their story will be in heaven. I pray that they'd ask their questions. I pray that they would seek the answer to that question. And God, I pray that they would come to know you and be confident that no matter what happens on this earth, you have a beautiful future in store for them. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.